there are different seasons, rhythms, patterns that God has built into our world and into our life. One of my favorite ones um, happened right around the middle of May um, towards the first part of June, which if you don't know this, this is the peak time to get fresh cherries, you guys. I don't know if anyone else loves these, but I absolutely love these things. When I walk into the grocery store, when I first see that, you know, kind of in the middle of May, I will hold these up and take a selfie and text it to Sarah and say, look what just came back into season, because I am so pumped about this. There's also a time, you know, um, towards the end of the summer where Washington cherries are in season. So this year I missed a big part of this because I had surgery and my diet was so restricted. So the other day I walked in and there was only like a few bags left of cherries, and so I got one of the last bags there, but I was so excited. And, and there are, there are those seasons, those rhythms, maybe there's fruits or vegetables, different things like that that kind of come in and out of season that you like that are part of just the rhythm of the year. But it's not only fruit, like there are weather seasons, right? I know in Texas it does not feel like we have four seasons. We have blazing, scorching heat, a little bit of cold weather, a lot of rain, and then blazing, scorching heat, okay? But there is some kind of rhythm or pattern there, or if you go to other parts of the United States, there actually are four seasons of summer, fall, winter, spring. You know, that's kind of the rhythm, the pattern that God has built into our world. We see that in a lot of different things, like God's built that into time. There are 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, right? Kind of um, 52 weeks in a year, there are those rhythms and kind of seasons of time. And ever since the very beginning of time, God put something in time. He put a rhythm. He put a pattern in our time that we would know that and that we would practice this. And that begins all the way back at Genesis chapter 1 when God is creating the world. For six days he creates and then he stops on the seventh and he ceases to work and he rests. And this is what... Many in the Jewish faith have called Sabbath. Maybe you've heard that word before, maybe you haven't. But it's this pattern of working six days and then resting on the seventh that we see God do at the beginning of creation. Now, here's what you need to know. If you've ever read the very beginning of the Bible and you've read that, there's a reason God does that. God is not on the seventh day saying, man, it was really hard to make some stars and the sun and the earth and mountains and rivers, and I am just wiped out. I'm done working, and so I need a break. That's not what's going on here at all. God does this to set an example for us. At the very beginning of time, as this whole thing's starting to kick off, God said, I'm going to give you a rhythm, and I'm going to give you a pattern, and I'm going to show you the way that I mean for you to live your life. And so God wasn't exhausted, but he knew we would get to the point where we were exhausted. So he said, let me show you what this pattern should look like in your life, that you would take every week 24 hours, and that you would stop working, you would enjoy rest, you would practice delight, and you would contemplate God that there would be this pattern in our life. So that's called Sabbath. Sabbath is a gift from God. That's what it is. Sabbath is a gift from God. There are some people that have made it about a bunch of rules and about a bunch of lists. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But it's not. It's not meant to be a legalistic thing. This is not meant another way, you know, or a way for God to make you feel guilty, like you're doing something wrong. And so let me point it out. No, this is a gift from God that God has given us in our life that every week we would take 24 hours 
and we would stop working and we would practice Sabbath. Now, if you're new to church, maybe you're new here or you're watching online for the first time, you may be panicking at this moment thinking, is this a cult? What in the world are you talking about? But it's not. It's something that we find in Scripture a lot. Like it's a a rhythm and a pattern that, once again, is at the very beginning of time that God talks about over and over and over again in His Word. And it's a way that He desires for us to live. And so, although you'll probably never hear about this like in culture, or you'll probably not hear a lot of people talk about this, this is a practice that God wants us to have in our lives. Now, maybe you're not new to church. You've been around church a long time and you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe this is your idea that, oh, Sabbath, that's just another word for Sunday, right? Where we come together on Sunday, we worship together, we talk about God's word, and then we go out and try to get everything else done that we could not pack into the week. And we have Sunday from about 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock all the way to the evening to get it done. And maybe that's your idea of Sabbath. And that's not what the Bible is talking about. Or there's a lot of Christians that think, we don't do Sabbath, right? Like that's before the time of Jesus. And didn't Jesus kind of say that he was against that? And that's like an Old Testament thing. So we don't really do Sabbath. Like that's not something that we practice a lot. But that's not what Scripture tells us to do. Matter of fact, there's a lot of Christians who talk a lot about like we need the Ten Commandments in government. We need the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. We need the Ten Commandments like in public arena. But we're not following Ten Commandments. We're following nine. We follow the ones that talk about our relationship with God. We follow the ones that talk about our relationship with others. We miss the one that kind of looks at ourselves, which is Sabbath. How do we rest? How do we recharge? How do we refuel? A matter of fact, a lot of Jewish scholars, when they talked about Sabbath, they called it the bridge commandment. Once again, if you've heard of the Ten Commandments, maybe you haven't, but it's this conversation God's having with his people. And the first three commandments are all about our relationship with God. Don't serve other gods. Don't worship idols. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. The last six are about our relationship with others. And I'm going to paraphrase these, but don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet, like honor your father and mother. Those, and I'm paraphrasing those, those are really our relationship with others. And they called the Sabbath the bridge commandment. That when we take 24 hours in our week and we honor God and we observe what God's given us, that place of rest, that it realigns our relationship with God and it realigns our relationship with others. And that it's actually in the middle of those God commandments and people commandments to remind us, hey, we need this time during our week to kind of reset and recalibrate. God, how am I doing with you? And then to really reflect, how am I doing with others? Am I burnt out? Am I exhausted? Am I spent? God, can you recharge me and refuel me and help me in my relationship with others? It was this kind of bridge idea there of God saying, hey, let me give you a chance to reset, to recalibrate, to rest. Sabbath is a gift from God. And you may be sitting here thinking, there is no way when I look at my week that I could possibly do that for 24 hours. And I would tell you, there is no way you can't afford to do this. In order to live the way that God wants us to live and to keep growing and to be the people that God wants us to be, like we need this rhythm of rest Sabbath is a rest and a gift from God that he has given us in our life. And so it's that reminder. I was reading a lot this weekend, and I read this Jewish author. Her name is Lisa Harris. She's a self-proclaimed secular Jew. Not really for sure what that means, but that's what she said about herself. And so she said, I'm Jewish by culture, but 
I'm not really a religious person. But she wanted to find out more about the Jewish culture. And so what she did is for a number of weeks, she went and observed Sabbath with an Orthodox Jewish family. Now, in case you don't know what an Orthodox Jewish family is, they're really strict according to the customs and the laws and the commandments of God. And so they adhere to those things and have a lot of rules and laws around those. So every week she would go Friday afternoon, she would watch them get ready for Sabbath, which for Jewish family starts on Friday at sunset and ends on Saturday at sunset. After she had done this for a few weeks, she sat down with the dad of this house and she was kind of frustrated. And she said, you guys do so much work to get ready for this like 24 hours. It seems crazy. It seems insane. You have all of these rules about what you can and what you can't do and what's okay and what's not okay. And she just kind of made this statement. She said, what does God care if I cook a meal or microwave something in the oven for a few minutes? And this was the dad's response. I love this. He said, what happens when we stop working is this. When we don't operate machines, when we don't pick flowers, when we don't cook food, when we cease interfering with the world, we acknowledge that it's not ours, but it's God's. He said, when we do that for 24 hours, it's this reminder of, God, I'm not in control of everything, and I don't have to make everything happen. God, this is your world. You are actually in control of it. You've got the whole world in your hands, Lord. And it's this acknowledgement of this, of this kind of stark reality every week of, you know what? The world was rotating and functioning before I got here, and it will keep doing that long after I am gone. God, this is your world. This is yours, Lord. And Sabbath is this reminder of this, of you're not in control of everything, and that's okay. The world is not resting on your shoulders. That's okay. This is God's world. And so he put this rhythm. He gave us this gift in our life that we would stop and remind ourselves, God, you are in control. God, we acknowledge that. We remind ourselves of that, that we are more than just the work we do or what we produce. And so Sabbath is a great reminder of that. So I want to spend the rest of our time really getting into what does Sabbath look like? Because for some of us, we get the heart, and you can be like, okay, Aaron, I kind of get that. Maybe I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I kind of get it. So, so what does that actually look like? So when we talk about Sabbath, we talk about four things. We talk about you stop working, you enjoy rest, you practice the light, and you contemplate God. Now let me tell you this. We're going to walk through a number of scriptures. There is nowhere in the Bible where it says Sabbath and then lists those four things. So I want you to know why we talk about that when we talk about Sabbath. Once again, this is not a formula. It's not a legalistic thing. It's not a law. This is a gift from God. So this is leaning, once again, on thousands of years of Jewish rabbi and Jewish literature. It's also leaning on Christian history and Christian tradition and the early church fathers. This is not Aaron coming up with something in the past three years, okay? Just want you to know that. It's not even just a book that we read. This is like a lot of years of Christian history and Jewish history. If the Jewish part kind of weirds you out, just remember Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, okay? So we're good there, okay? This is what he followed this is what he did. These are the texts that he read. Um, and so this is why we're leaning on some of those things. And so we talk about those, once again, because they're great practices. And these things may help you as you're honoring Sabbath as we look at that. So let's start with the first one. Sabbath is an invitation to stop working. 
That's what it is. So for 24 hours of the week, we stop working. And this is how we talk about that. That means both paid and unpaid work. Okay? So that's going to mess with some of you guys. That's both paid and unpaid work. So let's look at what the scripture says. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. So I'll just read this. You can follow along there. You can write some of these scriptures down, or if you have the NCC app, these, um, ser- these scriptures are there in the sermon notes. Deuteronomy 5.12, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. In case you think that means sinless, it does not. He's saying this day is separate from the other six days. Don't even have time to preach that sermon, but that's an interesting thought there. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. You shall, you shall not do any work. Neither you nor your sons or daughters. Parents, this is not your day to make your kids do all your chores, okay? Not your manservants or maidservants. Not your oxen, your donkey, nor any of your animals. Not even the stranger or the foreigner that lives within your gates. So that your manservant and maidservant may rest as you do. Remember this, that you were slaves in Egypt. And that the Lord your God brought you out of that with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, in case parts of that seem strange, um, I would encourage you, go read the end of the book of Genesis. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. And the beginning of the book of Exodus, and you'll get some context here, that God had chosen his people and he had brought them out of slavery. 400 years as slaves, he had brought them out of slavery, was taking them into the promised land, and this is a conversation of God that God's having with him of there used to be a way that you were living your life. And now I'm telling you, I'm calling you to something different. There is a new way I want you to live. And what's the amazing thing is most of the commandments are like six, seven, kind of eight words long. This one is almost over 100. This is the longest one. He says, I don't really have to talk too much about lying. Don't lie. Okay. Like, pretty simple, pretty basic. This one, he's like, I'm going to have to tell you some stuff because you're not going to get this, okay? Because for 400 years, your entire life has been around this idea. Your worth is what you produce, right? You're a kid. What's that report card? What are your grades? Are you topping your class? Then you get to college, right? Do you get the right scholarships? Do you have the right? Are you on track for the right career, right? Do you have the right career path? Are you getting promoted? Are you a manager? Are you growing? What can you get? How much money can you accumulate? Your life is off what you produce for these people, for God's people for 400 years. It was work, 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 work. Build temples for, temples for Pharaoh. Build monuments for Pharaoh. Build pyramids for Egypt, like build bricks, all of these things. That was their entire life, 400 years. Your value as a slave is what you produce. You guys, this is still a message we need to hear thousands of years later. Your value and your worth is not based off of what you produce. God says, remember this, you're no longer part of Egypt. You're now my people. Your value is not off of what you produce. So you can stop working and it's okay. You can stop working and it's okay because you're not part of the system of the world anymore. You are part of my people. And there's this powerful truth in there of remembering that. So what does this look like? We stop paid and unpaid work. And so that means that I'm not going to go to my job seven days a week. 
And it also means this, that I'm not just going to work through the week with all of the home stuff that I have to do, right? So on those 24 hours, I need to kind of shut down. I need to prepare for it. But that means these are some of the things for us is we try not to do grocery shopping. Okay, we try not to do errands. We have eight kids. You guys know that there is always laundry going. But on Sabbath, we don't do laundry. Okay, during the school during the school year, like while our kids are in school, we tell them you got to get your homework done during the week or the day before because on Sabbath we don't do homework. That's just kind of our thing is we stop all paid and non-paid work. Now you'll have to wrestle through what that looks like. And as we've talked about this before, some people have asked me, well, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? And the goal is not to see how much you can do. It's to say, hey, God, how can I stop working? Once again, we're not trying to put a long list of rules. A lot of people do that of what buttons you can press, how far you can walk. That's not the heart of this at all. It's saying, God, how do I stop working and how do I honor this day that you've given me? And that's our goal. That's what we're trying to do. So we're remembering that for some of you, you may need to shut off email notifications on your phone, right? Because your work, those things are just going to keep coming. You need time to unplug. You need time to recharge and refuel. You give out a lot emotionally, mentally, physically during the week. You need a time to shut it off and to say, okay, God, I'm taking this time to practice Sabbath. So what that looks like for you, you you'll have to wrestle through that, but we want to honor God. We're not going to do work. Why? Because it reminds us our value isn't just what we produce and our value isn't just what we do, God, that you have created us in your image. The second thing is this, Sabbath is an invitation to rest. Sabbath is an invitation to rest. Psalms 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. Once again, we live in a culture where we pack out our schedules. We're so afraid of missing anything. We have FOMO, right? So we always want to be going, going, going. Rush, rush, rush. And Sabbath is this idea. No, slow down. Stop. Don't be in a hurry. This is 24 hours not to rush, not to pack out your schedule, but to enjoy rest. Be still and know that I am God. That in your resting, we have moments where we're not missing God's voice. There's always busyness. There's always noise around us. There's always a place to go and something to do. Sabbath is this reminder, no, enjoy rest. And as we slow down, we catch more of the beauty of God, of the voice of God, of the presence of God. We enjoy rest. Be still and know that I am God. What does that look like then? Maybe for Sabbath, when you first wake up or whenever you start that 24-hour period, you take a deep breath and you just breathe in and you breathe out and you kind of remind yourself, I don't have to go, go, go today. Like, I get to just slow down a little bit and work at my own pace. How can you enjoy rest? Yesterday, our family was doing Sabbath, and I'm doing this new eating regimen, and my wife and my kids had to look at me, and they, they had to say, you got to stop, okay? Because I was hangry, I was mad, I was like, what are, what's the plan for today? What are we doing? When am I going to be able to eat? And they were like, you can't do this on Sabbath, because you are not enjoying rest, and you're causing us not to enjoy rest. you got to figure out something here. And it's that reminder, I had to just stop and say, yep, that's right, like this is frustrating me. How do I rest? Like how do I slow down? How do I not rush? How do I not plan and fill up my day with everything that I can fill it up with? So you do that. Maybe you need to take a nap. 
parents, maybe you need to look at your kids and say, on Sabbath, everyone's napping for an hour. I don't care, okay? I'm going to do that. You're going to do that. Like, that's okay. Some of us feel so guilty. Like, I've got this to-do list. There's so many things to do. I could be doing this. No, Sabbath is that reminder. Stop what you're doing and enjoy rest. Maybe it's sitting outside. Maybe it's sitting by the pool. Maybe it's going for a walk in nature. And I'll tell you, please only do that early in the morning or late at night because you will get messed up in this Texas heat, okay? So if you're going to walk in nature, do it early in the morning or late at night because I don't want anyone to get hurt. But what, what is that resting thing for you? What helps you to slow down and to take in Sabbath? This third one, Sabbath is an invitation to delight. Like to practice the joy of God. Genesis 1-9, once again, in the creation story, God is creating, He's forming, He's making things. Look at what He says about His creation. And God saw that it was good. I imagine there's laughter in the voice of God. There's a smile on His face. There is joy bubbling up in the heart of God as He looks at His creation. And He's delighting in it. He's taking joy and He's saying, This is so good what I have made. That's what Sabbath is. It's that time to stop and to enjoy the creation of God. In Psalm 16, 11, it says this. The psalmist said this. He's writing a poem or a song to God. And he says, you make known to me the path of life. That's an important part. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I grew up thinking, I saw a lot of Christians that were frustrated, that were mad. And I thought, this life stinks. But I guess when we get to heaven, everything will be okay, right? And that's not what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, you taught me how to live life. You've taught me what the path of life is. And what is it? It's that you will fill me with joy in your presence. He's not talking about heaven at some point beyond in the future when you and I kind of end this life. He's saying, right now, God, you have filled my life with joy in your presence, God. There is eternal pleasure at your right hand. When I'm close to you, I get to delight in the things that you have made. I get to enjoy life. Sabbath is an invitation to delight. So I've started to do this on Sabbath. One of my practices is to enjoy life. And you guys, I enjoy life on Sabbath with Crumble Cookies. Any Crumble Cookie fans in here? Should have got them to sponsor us this Sunday. Crumble, if you're watching, I love your cookies, okay? They just built one near our new house that we're renting um, right here. And this is a dangerous combo for a crumble cookies to be a few miles from my house. So I have to limit myself to Sabbath of like Sabbath, I will do this. So last night we did this as a family. We ordered a box of crumble cookies. We got a lot of different flavors. If you don't know, crumble, um, they come out with different flavors every week. So we kind of sampled a few of them. Let me tell you this, do not try to eat a whole crumble cookie. It is good, you'll want to. It is a hefty cookie, okay? So what I do is I just cut a slice from each of them. Now, it probably adds up to a whole cookie, but I tell myself it's not, okay? But I'm kind of lying to myself there. But it tastes so good, and that's just a way of saying, hey, I want to delight in what you've given me. Maybe it's not crumble cookies for you, but what, else, what is it that brings joy I read so many books during the week, like I have to study church leadership books and church ministry books and commentaries and all of that. So on Sabbath, I read fiction, okay? 
And this is one of the fiction books I'm reading through. As much as I want to, like I won't even read devotions. I'll read the Bible and I'll read scripture, but I won't read like other ministry books because I just need a time to say, hey, I've got to stop working and God, I need to enjoy a good mystery novel about someone solving crime and I love these kinds of books, okay? So I don't know what it is for you, but find a way to practice delight, to enjoy something, the gift that God has given us. Exciting food, maybe it's something crafty, maybe it's painting, maybe it's doing that. It could be exercising. For me, that feels like work, but for you, that may feel like energizing. It's answering this question, what refuels me and what re-energizes me? Once again, you've poured out a lot. It's going to look different for different people. But once again, you're not trying to work, but you're saying, what does energize me? Like it doesn't feel draining. It doesn't feel exhausting, but this feels good in my life. The last one is this. Sabbath is an invitation to contemplate God. In Jeremiah 29, 12, the prophet is saying this, and this is not a passage directly around Sabbath, but I think there's something here in the principle that God is saying that is important for us to realize. And it says this, God's speaking through the prophet and he's telling his people, when you will call upon me and go and pray to me, I will listen to you. And then highlight this. And when you seek me, you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. Now, the people of God are in a culture and they're in a place where they feel they are exiled from their homeland. They're in a culture that does not believe what they believe and does not follow God the way that they follow God. And the presence of God even feels far away. Like it's in their mind, it's linked to the city of Jerusalem. It's linked to the temple that was in the city of Jerusalem. So they're far away from that. And in their mind, they feel disconnected from God. But what does God say? No, you're not disconnected from me. If you will seek me, you will find me. And you guys, in a culture many times where it feels like if you're a Christian, like you can be any other kind of spiritual belief, you can be other kind of, any kind of religious person, but as soon as you say, I'm a Christian, like, it is a hostile place to live. Or when you say, hey, I'm following God's word, and students, I know this, you go into school, and it feels like everything is against God's word in your life, and people are against that. God's saying, I'm still there with you. You're not disconnected from me. And Sabbath is that reminder to stop working, slow down, practice the light, and also to realize, God, it feels like sometimes you're so far away but you are right here with me. And when the culture is against me, God, you are near to me. You're with me here. And that's what Sabbath is. It is that reminder. I have to constantly remind us in our household, Sabbath is not just a day to not do chores. Sabbath is only Sabbath when Yahweh is the center of our life. When he becomes the focus of our day. That's at the heart of everything else that we are doing so maybe it's worship maybe it's reading scriptures can i challenge you with this on sabbath don't pray prayers of i need i need i need god do this do this do this pray prayers like this god i'm going to stop and realize you are sitting right here next to me and that brings you so much joy god just to be with me you are a human being not a human doing and we each need that time to remind ourselves God delights in us just being with him. And that's what Sabbath is. It's a reminder of that. So how are we going to practice this? What does this look like in our life? 
You know, every year we have a pattern. We do this as a church that on the last Sunday in June, I usually preach a message on Sabbath, and on the first Sunday in July, we practice what we call Sabbath Sunday. We do not come together and join together as a church or worship together on Sabbath Sunday. It's a different Sunday for us. Now, let me explain why that is. Let me explain what's going on there. Here's what that means is on that Sunday, we take time to just stop what we're doing and kind of reset and recalibrate, okay? On July 3rd, which will be this year, we're not going to meet together, but we're going to pause and we're going to do that. Now, what I'm not saying is on Sabbath, don't come to church because for a lot of us, Sunday is our Sabbath, okay? And normally we come to church, but here's what I know is whenever we pause, Whenever we want to start to try to create a new habit, a new rhythm, if we will do something different, it will help us. That's why we take this first Sunday in July and we kind of restart. For some of you, it may be a new practice. For others, it may be something that you've done before and you're like, I just need to recalibrate. So that's the purpose of this is we come together. We talk about it the last Sunday in June and then the first Sunday in July, we try to kick this start start this thing off together, once again, so that we would keep practicing Sabbath every week throughout the year. Okay, so that's what we're going to do. Let me tell you what next Sunday is not. Next Sunday is not, oh goody, I have a bunch of stuff that I could catch up on and I don't have to be here for a few hours on a Sunday morning. Thank you, Pastor Aaron, for giving me some extra time. That is not Sabbath. That's not what we just talked about. It is also not, oh great, My friend's been inviting me to their church, so I guess I can go with them next Sunday. No, that is not what we're doing, okay? This is, we are going to practice this together. And we're going to take time together to figure out how can we do this, God? How can we start to create this rhythm? Let me tell you a couple of things. As we, if you do this with us next Sunday, or as you start to incorporate this into the rhythm of your weeks, a few things are going to happen. First off, if you do this next Sunday by about 5 p.m., For those of you that have hair, you're going to want to pull it out. And for those of you that don't, you're probably going to want to bang your head against the wall, okay? Because you're going to think, this is driving me crazy. Like, I can't do this because your body is so used to going, 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 doing, doing, doing. Your mind's so used to racing. It's not going to know how to react. Like, I've read other people's study of this. Like, when they first started it, they said it was like slamming into a brick wall. And my body was doing all of this weird stuff because it was so used to the stress and anxiety that I constantly live in. So just get ready for that. For others of you, you're going to start off Sunday great. Yeah, I spent some time with God. Yeah, I relaxed a little bit, and then 4 o'clock's going to hit, and you're going to think, I just got to get some stuff done. Don't think of that as a failure. Think of that of, hey, you were able to do this for eight hours or however many hours that is for you, and then try again next week. Like, it's a practice. It's meant, we're meant to grow in this. Like, this is meant to be a part of our rhythms and what we do in the part of our life. So I want to encourage you in that. I love what this author, Tim Keller, said as he was talking about this. And this is what he said right here. He said, God gives us 52 chances in the year to do this. One day a week. He said, he gives us 52 chances to stop working, enjoy rest, practice delight, contemplate God one day a week to do those things. And he said, I imagine if we can do that on one day a week, that the other six days of the week begin to be infused with those godlike characteristics. Perhaps that's what God has been up to all along. That not one, but every day of the week, we would acknowledge you're in control, not me. 
Not one, but every day of the week, God, I am deep in your presence. Not one, but every day of the week, God, I practice delight. I enjoy the amazing world that you made around us. So this is how we're going to respond this morning. A moment ago, if you're here in the room, we passed out cards. And you're going to see kind of those four categories that we talked about. If you're online, you've heard us talk about those. You can grab a pen and a piece of paper. And if you're here, you can um, grab that pen that's in front of you. Or if you're here on the front row, just reach behind you. Have someone help you. They can hand you a pen. And we're going to just take about 90 seconds here in a moment when I'm done talking. And you're just going to write out, here's what I'm going to do to practice Sabbath next week. Under stop working, you may need to write, don't do groceries, don't do laundry, don't fix the house. Like whatever that is for you. Shut off email notifications. I don't know. Just write one or two things. God, here's how I'm going to try to practice Sabbath. Enjoy rest. Okay? I'm going to take a 30-minute nap or whatever that is. I'm going to sit out by a pool and get a tan or whatever. I don't know what that is for you, but how can you enjoy rest? I'm going to take some deep breaths to kind of start off that time. How can you practice delight? I'm going to order some crumble cookies or I'm going to read a good book. Whatever that is, just write one or two things. And then how can I contemplate God? I'm going to spend some time in worship. I'm going to do a devotion with my family. I'm going to read the scriptures. I'm going to pray with a friend. I don't know what that is, but how can you contemplate God? So we're going to put 90 seconds up on there. I'm going to stop talking. We're just going to take a quick second. Just reflect on that. How can you do those four things online? I want you to do this with us if you're worshiping online. How can you begin to practice Sabbath? We're going to prepare for next week, even right now. Let's do that together.